Howdy friends, welcome to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. Now listen, before we jump into this week's conversation, if you are a UX designer that is having a hard time getting a job or landing an interview or even getting noticed, I made an online course just for you. It's the course I wish I had when I was out there trying to find work. So head over to HiredUX.com, H-I-R-E-D-U-X.com, and there I'm going to teach you the tools, mindset, and process you need to stand out above the crowd and get hired. Now then, with that out of the way, let's get into the interview. My guest this week is a full-stack designer, as well as the founder of The Logo Package, which is an Adobe Illustrator extension that automatically generates and exports logo packages with blazing speed. It is a crazy product, and I do want to chat about that a little bit. But before we get to that, please help me welcome my guest today, Mr. Michael Bruni Groth. What up? Thanks so much for coming on the show, my man. Hey, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. It's going to be fun. You were introduced to me by, oh, good Lord, who was it? See, I think I'm, it was Melinda. Melinda yes, Livesey. Melinda Livesey. That's right. You were introduced mm-hmm. to me from her. I mean, this was months ago. And I was like, man, I got to have this guy on. I love what you do. And then I dug in and I saw that you also have a background in improv training. Yeah. As do I. And I was like, oh, now I really got to have this cat on. So (laughs) let's start there. Sure. What the heck? Isn't that crazy? The improv, how do you use that? And what is that story? Like, did you want to be a comedian or actor or did you just find it to be a useful thing for soft skills? Wow. It's a long history. I started in um, high school. I was always just kind of a funny guy in the... uh, in my friend circle, but we actually had an improv team at my high school that one of my best friends started. Um, And then the drama teacher was kind of leading it. And I actually missed the first day of tryouts. I can't remember what happened, but I was fortunately allowed to come back for the callbacks, even though I hadn't done the initial interview or not interview, but uh, tryouts, you know? So I, I did that in high school and that was really fun. And then after college, I moved to Chicago and Chicago is like the epicenter of improv and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any job prospects. I didn't have any friends. I don't think I knew a single person. And so I thought what a great way to get back into a community, do something that, you know, I think is fun. So I went through uh, the second city training center in Chicago. I did there. Yeah, I did their level A through E. And then I went to uh, the IO, which is the improv Olympic. And I did some courses there as well. I was on a team that we did what we call bar prov, where you just kind of get shows wherever you can and did that for about a year as well. But uh, that has been more of a, I go and watch the shows part of my life now. But certainly after I graduated college and moved to Chicago, it was a good uh, two, three years. And I met a lot of my good friends that way. I got to tell you, I use my improv training day to day in the workforce more than any other sort of skill. And I really attribute that to the improv training, the soft skills, especially as a designer where at least in UX and in discovery and brainstorming, it's all about yes and, 
which is just like the capstone of improv training. Sure. I'm sure you use it day in, day out as well. Yeah. What it does, you know, for all aspects of your life really is allow you to have more kind of genuine interactions with people in general. If somebody comes at you and you kind of would rather say, no, that's not true or, or shut them down or say, well, that's weird. You know, if that's your first response to something that somebody says, you know, in a very general way, being able to just take what people say, process it and add to it as opposed to tear it down or deny it. That's just a really great soft skill for life. But with your clients, it kind of puts you in a frame of mind of, you know, I'm not the expert on their business, right? They're telling me about their business. They're the expert. Yeah. And if I apply these sort of skills of not rejecting the premise that the client is giving me, but taking it, thinking about it and adding to it, you're going to bring a lot of value. And certainly that skill can be something people do by nature, but it was definitely enhanced through that improv training for sure. That's a big value bomb right there. I would actually, I mean, and genuinely encourage anyone in any field to take some improv classes. I mean, seriously, get into it, look it up. Anyways, enough about that. (laughs) So you have the logo package and based on your CV, as some of my listeners would call it, or your resume, as I might call it, I would assume that you were like strictly graphic design, but with your full stack designer title, if you will, that's not the case, is it? Yeah. So, you know, I think every designer evolves throughout their career. But as I said, when I moved to Chicago, I was fresh out of college. I had my degree in graphic design. I was looking for a job. And, you know, I I started off at a at a B2B marketing agency, and that was one set of skills. And then I moved on to a, a boutique branding agency, really small, you know, anywhere from six to nine people there while I worked there. And all of a sudden I found myself designing websites. So I was designing websites, I was writing copy, I was doing elevator pitches, that sort of stuff. So by the time I went to freelancing and I I had learned some front end web development, you know, I decided that I was going to position myself as what I call a full stack designer, meaning I could do the design, the development and the content for, you know, like small to mid-sized businesses where they might need a, a CMS solution or something like that. And the idea was I can deliver you a website with the messaging included and that would add add to my value. But then this whole logo package train hit me and, you know, I've since evolved also into product designer and entrepreneur and business owner, you know, so I would say full-time now is creating, refining my product and interfacing with partners. So it's constantly growing and moving and gaining new skill sets, which is pretty cool. It's a big deal, man, especially that entrepreneurial side. It takes a lot and it's grueling, you know, at times, and it's really rewarding at times. So the logo package. Listen, it's a great product. We have a little surprise for everybody that's listening toward the end, but we're not going to talk about that right now. But let's just get candid. How is it going with the logo package? Because I had 
digital products, I've had physical products, et cetera, et cetera. And I go into it and I'm like, oh, bad. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to be rolling in the dough, swimming in coins. But <laughs> then it goes, yeah. it doesn't really happen. How's it going for you so far? Well, I definitely had the, uh, the moment uh, <laughs> pretty soon into doing it. I will say I'll fast forward to now and I'm making more money from this product business than I've ever made at a design job or freelancing or even, you know, taking on my own clients. That is awesome. Thank you. It's just been incredibly successful, totally shockingly so, especially considering, you know, I don't have the sort of back-end development skills to make something like an extension for Adobe Illustrator, which is what Logo Package Express is. And so when I started with the product business, the idea was something I could make on my own inside of Illustrator. I could make actions, I could do some very simple scripting, and I could make some templates, right? I bundled that up and that was the first version. And when I launched, I had a, an amazingly massive email list of 36 people. And you know, I'd, I'd worked for a month to get those people on board with me. And I made two sales, which is a success. Selling anything is a success. But over the next two months or, or four months, I only made four sales total. Uh-huh. So that was my, oh crap moment. Like this, yeah. this has failed. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk about it if you want to, you know, what went into the researching and, and that sort of thing. But ultimately, I didn't just pull this idea out of a hat. I kind of thought that it would work. And I was about to give up on it when just sort of serendipitously, I ended up getting in contact with a fellow podcaster, Ian Paget of Logo Geek. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know, I'd love to help you promote this. I think this is really cool. Do you have an affiliate scheme? And I said, yeah, of course I do. I had, I had no idea if I, <laughs> if I could support affiliates, but I got it working. And that was the, you know, the sort of just like lucky gift that came along. And after I started working with him, I got that first thousand dollars in sales. And I said, wow, you know, this idea is working and it's only a matter of getting it in front of people. And so then I shifted towards um, building an extension instead of that first sort of bundle version. I had to hire a developer and I got a lot more affiliates on board and it it just blew up. I mean, I can talk numbers if you want to, or I can simply say that it was, uh, it's better than I was doing as a designer. No, that's, it's a success story. And look, I don't know you personally, but I know the entrepreneurial thing. So that leads me to say, I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. Way to go. Thank you. Like it really means anything coming from me. Listen, let's pivot here. When we talk about things being successes or not successes, there is a um, quote famously by IDEO's Tom and David Kelly, which is, if a picture is worth a thousand words, a prototype is worth a thousand meetings. Mm. And I mean, I find this to be endlessly true. Is that something that, you glom onto and connect with as well as a full stack designer? Yeah. So I can definitely relate to a prototype being worth a thousand meetings. And I would say that uh, in my case, it has been worth a couple hundred sales as well. I've been able to utilize prototypes, I think in a very 
interesting way that I wouldn't really have thought of until I got into this product design business. And basically, you know, I don't have the skills to develop these tools that I want to sell myself. And I don't want to pay for a developer to make something that, you know, nobody wants. And then I'm out a lot of money. So with the logo package and logo package express, what I did is once the extension was going to be made, I did a static prototype. You know, I did something, I mocked it up in Figma, but you can do this in all sorts of tools, framer and, and even sketch. But I made a Figma prototype that looked exactly like Adobe Illustrator, had my extension the way I wanted it to look in there. And I just mocked up all the interactions and the, the user flow. And I did a demo video. And I just, me clicking through a static prototype talking about what was going to happen with this product. And I posted that on a, a sales page, a landing page, and I had over 200 pre-sales just from people looking at a prototype. No kidding. And so, yeah, so that was really great validation and, you know, helped me keep pushing forward with my developer. And now, you know, I'm working on new products as well. And I find that if I want to survey my customers and figure out if this idea that I have is valid, I can make a prototype, you know, a static prototype. I can make a video of me clicking through, talking about how it's going to work, make it look really high fidelity, really real, and uh, get people's feedback before I ever have to spend a dime on, you know, paying a developer to make a working prototype. And that's been a really effective method for me. Man, that is really, really true. Pre-sales from the prototype. Now, let's do a hot take here real quick. What's the next thing you're working on? Ooh, Okay, so can you tell me, or is it just like uh, I want to give you, you know, I want to give you the world exclusive, but I'm just coming up on sending out that survey I was talking about. But I, what I will tell you is that there is a big problem with the way that designers hand off logos to their clients, and it's got two sides. One side is as the designer, there are so many logo files you have to make if you're making a really good logo package for your client. You've got to make color variations. You've got to make a whole bunch of layout variations. You've got to export all of those things in several different file formats. And my tool, uh, Logo Package Express, the extension for Adobe Illustrator, it automates that process, takes it from being an hour or more down to you know three to five minutes. And that totally solves the designer's side of this problem. They get a great package to send their client. Their client gets every logo file they need and they don't have to spend hours doing it anymore and they can move on to other creative work. But the other half of the problem is that, okay, you've made this really robust logo package that's going to cover all of your client's use case, but do they know how to use those logos? Do they know what they're for? Mm. Can they find them easily? Or are they always going to be coming back to you saying, hey, can you make me that you know, I need a 300 pixel PNG or can you send me a vector file? I don't really know what that means. And, you know, it's not necessarily the client's realm, so it's understandable. But my new endeavors are definitely trying to address the client side of this problem. I love that little tease you gave. (laughs) (laughs) That is super interesting. See, it's getting my brain cranking away. Yeah. And I'm going, this thing's going to be cool. (laughs) Yeah. Hop on my mailing list and you'll get the uh, you'll get the survey in a couple of days. I think now is as good a time as any. Listen, everybody tuning in right now, 
I'm not just saying this because Michael's on or anything like that. I'm saying this because if you're a graphic designer, someone who's in branding and identity, etc., the logo package express is badass. There's no other way to put it. And if you click the link in the show notes, you're going to get 15% off the logo package express. Is that right, Michael? Yeah, we do it. uh, That's what we're doing. (laughs) That's what we're doing. Look, I'm not trying to be some salesman here or like kiss up to you or whatever it is. It's just cool. You've done something that solves a massive problem and saves so much freaking ding-donging time. And time is the most valuable thing that we have. Listen, just go do it. Just go click that freaking link in the description. (laughs) I got passionate there, Michael. I got passionate. (laughs) I was moved myself. I saw you have a tear drop out your eye. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. This is called Pod Decks. It's like a deck of cards of questions for podcast hosts. Not that I couldn't think of my own questions that are fun. Again, because we have the improv improv background, but there's a guy on Instagram that um, sent me these. And I think that they're very cool and very fun. And I just want to do it. Okay, let's have some fun. Let's do it. Are you game? I'm so game. We're going to give it a shuffle. There's the shuffle. And the question for you is, which living person do you most admire? Oh my, which living person do I most admire? Yeah. Man, I just want to like whip off an answer, but that's a big one. That's a heavy one, you know? It is. One person who is alive, so it's not not 900 billion people that have ever lived. And if it's not one, like if you feel like you're going to hurt somebody's feelings by (laughs) leaving the bout, you know, throw them into the mix. I'm going to start with qualities and then maybe someone will pop into my head. Okay. I think someone who is honest, I think someone who helps people, man, so I'm far, really bad with like favorite, favorite questions. Yeah. Maybe you can help me out. So far, the person you're explaining is me, Michael. Well, <laughs> it is. That's why I didn't know how well I knew you yet. See, do you um, see what we just did there, friends listening? I did a setup to Michael, and he didn't say, what? No, that's insane. He said, well, yeah, of course. You know, So that's the yes and training from improv. We just did it. <laughs> see, right. And that whole thing was definitely not staged to show off improv and cover no, up my, not at all, uh, of course. my ineptitude <laughs> on answering this question. I tell you what. I don't have one person who pops to mind right now that without being totally cliche and just answering some really great person. So if you got another one in your deck, maybe I can redeem myself. How about I answer first and we'll see if it inspires you. Okay. Originally in my head, I was thinking of my parents, like my mom or my dad. I was thinking of my wife, all of these things. But then, because I would have a guilty conscience, I was like, I can't pick one of them. You know, I've known my parents longer, obviously, but my wife is my everything. But my answer would have to be, it's two people. And it's my kids. It's my two kids. And admiration is a word that I would never associate with my kids right now. They're four and three years old. But if I think about it, and I think about the way that their minds work and the innocence they have and the vulnerability and just the 
undying, no matter what happens, love they feel and curiosity they have. I admire that so much. I sometimes forget to go to that place, especially when I'm frustrated or they're being typical toddlers or whatever it is. But I'd have to say that I admire them more than anyone. That's great. I got a little choked up when I was talking to you just now, Michael. Well, that's the power of the chitlins. They do that to you. I have not uh, been blessed with any yet, but it's not off the table. I tell you what, though, I did think of something while you were talking. Okay. And I don't want you to take offense. Please. But when you were talking about your children, I thought of dogs. Yeah. Okay. That same simple innocence and earnestness. And the person that made me think of uh, was Caesar Milan from The Dog Whisperer. I love Caesar Milan. Yeah. I watched a lot of his show recently because I got a new dog and uh, a new puppy. And, you know, learning more about his backstory, him coming to the United States from Mexico, not speaking English, starting to work, you know, with a dog groomer or whatever, and just building up this empire from there, learning the language, getting in with celebrities like uh, Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, and helping them out with their dogs, and then getting this show and going around and, you know, it's entertainment for us, but these people really do have a lot of stress in their lives when they can't figure out how to have a relationship with their animal. And he comes in and he helps them. So I admire the tenacity that he had. I admire the honesty that he brings. When you watch, you know, you're really watching him. And I admire that he is able to have that connection with animals and help other people form that connection. So You know, my answer might be different, you know, two days from now, but that was definitely something I thought about. I definitely do admire him a lot. I have to tell you, that is fascinating to me. And I bet you, if I asked a thousand people that question, you would be the only person to say, Caesar Milan of the Dog Whisperer. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at it because I actually appreciate it. And I love the Dog Whisperer. Not only have I watched his show ad nauseum, I then go and watch all the YouTube clips. Anyway, look, here's the thing. We're having fun this episode. I'm having a good time. What we're doing right now has nothing to do with design. Let's just call it what it is. However, my single call to action at the end of every single episode I've ever released is stay curious. And as designers, I believe that that is paramount. And conversations like this, fun little questions, whatever it digs up, whatever it evokes, it inspires and it bolsters and it adds fuel to that curiosity fire, which I think is paramount if you are a successful designer or even successful person. So I thank you for having fun with me doing this little riff on a question. Absolutely. Now then, I do have one final question that I ask every guest which is what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Okay. Hmm. Non-digital. So meaning not even the thing that contains the screen, right? Can't be, that's can't right. be a computer. Okay. Oh, that's very true. Cannot be a computer. Cannot be your phone. Not a TV screen. Yeah. Let me think. We're talking about an object here. 
And look, I have um, had people say a person or uh-huh. something like that. I mean, calling a person an object or a thing is something to discuss, but <laughs> we can bend the rules sometimes if a person pops into your head and it's not a thing. Yeah. I tell you what, again, I think my answer could be different in two days, but you know, we're going off the cuff here. Yeah. I want to go with my childhood best friend's van, oh. which was called the Creamy Dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Creamy Dreamy because he told me one day that him and his dad were going to go pick up the Creamy Dreamy after work. And I thought his van was in the shop and it was a white van. So I, from then on, his van was called Creamy Dreamy. What they were really talking about was horseradish sauce. So, but, <laughs> but here is why the van is so important. My best friend and I, we really helped form each other's ideas about the world, our philosophies, our ways of communicating, our storytelling, which is very important for design. And probably, you know, one of the greatest non-romantic relationships of my life. But we were so lame in high school. All we did all the time was just drive in that van and talk Mm. until, you know, it was midnight or whatever. And just we would drive and try to get lost and figure out how to get back. And it was definitely a solid, you know, three to five years of just driving in the creamy dreamy, just talking about life. So that was really valuable to me. I won't ever forget that. And it all took place in that creepy, creamy van. <laughs> creepy, creamy, dreamy. <laughs> that is awesome. Some of the best conversations of my life not only <laughs> happened while driving in an automobile, but also happened in high school. It's a very formative time. Actually, my best friend and I were chatting about high school today, and I loved college, and I liked all different times of my life. There was something about high school that, you know, a lot of people have a hard time, but I really loved high school. And part of it is that. Are those dialogues in creamy, dreamy vans? (laughs) (laughs) So again, everyone listening, hit that link in the bio. You're going to get 15% off the Logo Package Express. Michael, I want to thank you for coming on, having fun, sharing some insights. And until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, friends. Now, before you go, I want to remind you about the course I created for all of you UX designers trying to get a job out there. Be sure to check out HiredUX.com. And lastly, I'd like to give a big shout out to my guest and to my Patreon supporters. There's a link in the description to help me out on Patreon if that floats your boat. Anyway, of course, a special shout out to my executive producer, Brian Sullivan. Now, until next week, friends, I can't wait to have you back. Just stay curious. Experience Design with Tony Dosat is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers. 